Greetings. First day of August, trade deadline. Rabbit, rabbit. We have Shakespeare in the park, and we're prepared to, and we are finished with the Filmmaker Showcase, Carl. In mere moments, we will be talking to Suki Peters, director of St. Louis Shakespeare Festival's Merry Wives on tour, and also we will talk to the star Carl Overly Jr., Then around minute 22, we will talk Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem. Around minute 30, Theater Camp. Around minute 34, Glitch, The Rise and Fall of HQ Trivia. Around minute 38, The Theater Roundup. Around minute 45, The St. Louis Filmmaker Showcase Wrap-Up. Around minute 52, an appreciation for Paul Rubens, also known as Pee Wee Herman. And uh, now we're going to talk to... The folks who are going to present the Merry Wives of Windsor at 24 parks in the St. Louis area. Good morning, Suki Peters, and good morning, Carl Everly. Over, why did I screw that up? Carl Carl Everly was Everly. Was he an Everly brother? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, he's an Overly brother. Carl, I am. Ah. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for coming because Carl is in the middle of shooting uh, with a children filmmakers superhero movie. Yes. So that sounds fun. You know, we have things as artists do to keep going. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's good. From superhero to Shakespeare. So I understand this new, this is the traveling show, which I love and I normally will go to, over to Illinois because um, I want to support you guys going there. But this year, I'm going to go to the Tower Grove Park next week. And and so am um, I. Yes. Oh. And uh, I understand that this is 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. And how many people are in it? Six. And we're going to. It's a different kind of Merry Wives of Windsor. Yes. So tell us about what is different about this Shakespeare adaptation. So when the festival first approached me, they were like, hey, we want to do a comedy. We want you to kind of do a treatment to it. Like not quite the parody that I do for Cherokee Street, but something fun and modernize it. And I immediately thought of Merry Wives because it basically is a Shakespearean sitcom. Uh, more more than that, even like a spinoff with Falstaff, played by Carl Overly, brilliantly. Um, and so, yeah, so we adapted it to the 1990s sitcom world. You'll see a lot of familiar types of tropes. You'll see um, a lot of familiar characters from those 90s sitcoms making appearances um, or emulating them in the show. And uh, it's it's just a very fun, light summer comedy, but it also has themes of trust and respect and redemption and love. So a little something for everybody. Well, that sounds really fun. I don't think this play is done very often, is it? I don't think so. Not not super often. I think the park did it. Carl, do you remember when the park did it? Was it the park did it over thirteen years ago? It's been a minute. Yeah, been yeah. years. Yeah. yeah. Suki yeah. and I actually, when I first met Suki, uh, and this was twenty eleven. Uh, St. Louis Shakespeare Company did a production of Mary Wives of Windsor at the Grandel mm-hmm. Theater. And so that was my first interaction with Mary Wives of Windsor and where I met Suki. Yeah, it was a magical show. That was so fun. Yeah. 
though, uh, Suki did allude to Cherokee Street Theater, Carl, and that's her other mm -hmm. project that she does. And we talked to Ron from the uh, Clash of the Titans parody, and I had I had just had such a ball with that. That was just so much fun to see that. So uh, this has got a spirit, I think, that it's not parody you're doing, but you're all going to have fun with it. Like you're part of a improv troupe. It sounds like. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's really great. Uh, for me, it's been, I grew up in the nineties. So for me, it's been so much fun just to, uh, get really nostalgic about the nineties and, you know, adding in a lot of like nineties music, nineties uh, pop culture references. And then also the set itself, it is a backyard, which many of the 90s sitcoms took place in the backyard. I think step-by-step -step, home improvement, you know, the clothesline, uh, all of those tropes of people coming in and out and ducking down. And, you know, it's almost like we're trying to, in the sitcom, you're always, you have 30 minutes to like wrap everything up. And in this, you have a little bit longer to wrap everything up, but we wrap it up in a very sitcom-like fashion. It's like the WandaVision. We were talking comic it, books yes. and MCU. Yeah. It's like yeah. the WandaVision version of Shakespeare. Yeah, It really, it really is. <laughs> Well, but that was that the nineties one was more of a uh, Malcolm in the Middle type with the wacky kids. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I think oh. about the one in relation to this a lot. Yeah. Aha, uh -huh. that's going to be fun because yeah, Malcolm in the Middle, Dawson's Creek, not a sitcom, but still a big part of the nineties. Yes. And uh, uh, my kids, I remember Friday nights. What was it called on ABC? PGIF, baby. PGIF. Yeah. Yes. Family Matters and Full House. Full. Mm -hmm. Step, uh, Sabrina, Teenage Witch, Boy mm -hmm. Meets World. Nobody's like Perfect. Perfect Nobody's Strangers. Perfect. Yeah. 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 So and then uh, Friday night was a TGIF. Saturday was Snick at Night. And also yep. Saturday for me growing up in the nineties was Saved by the Bell, California, right. all of those things. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, well that's going to be how do you, fun. How do you uh, go ahead, Lynn? No, I was just going to say, that's going to be really fun. Go ahead and ask your question. Well, I was going to say when you're adapting a comedy mm -hmm. and you're cutting it down, pairing it down to 90 minutes or so, do you want to, you have to keep story in, but you want to keep as many jokes as possible. I imagine paring it down, the, the joke count is probably pretty high. It's condensed, right? Exactly what you're saying. And we, so we ended up cutting over half the script of the original text. Um, but still but you want to keep some of the jokes in. Right, right. So there, there is, there is, there's a compromise you need to make, right? With like timing and story and also the jokes. Um, but the jokes that we kept, I think, are the best out of the best. And we found a lot of new things by exploring this in a 1990s sitcom world. Um, it's always a joy to see what the different actors bring in, um, improving into the stage, whether it's Carl bringing in like all the songs or um, different catchphrases from the 90s. And they fit so well in this world that we've all like crafted together um, that we even have like the canned audience responses like the oohs and the ahs and the applause and all oh. of the cheering and all this stuff and we encourage the audience to also take part in that and be a part of that live with us because they are our 
live park audience, right? Um, so I feel like that energy should really just kind of come through in um, the performance and the way that everything's been created in this world for our viewers. Well, what yeah, I like because, to, oh, go ahead. Because this is also, you know, in St. Louis, we try to add uh, some St. Louis references that mm -hmm. are in the show as well. So we try to be cognizant of this is 90s, but we want to make sure that this, since this is going to all the communities in St. Louis, that we have some St. Louis representation and little winks and nods that people be like, oh, okay, yeah. Well, you're We're right down the street from the old courtesy diner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, one of Which the is for sale, of, by the way, if anybody wants to buy it. it is, I, I know. I, I saw that. I saw that. Uh, when when I was uh, one one of the things I like about the going to the parks, just like I like the shake in the streets, is you see children there. You see all mm -hmm. sorts of families come out, and uh, people bring your lawn chairs, and that. And this is the first time for some people to ever see Shakespeare or something like this. And it reminds me of the old days. Uh, uh, of course, none of us were alive when they would have those troops come through like in Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead and, and then uh, Midsummer Night's Dream. So to see how efficient the Shakespeare Festival is at putting up sets and getting it all ready and traveling back and forth. Because you're going to go to 24 parks and you're going to go on both sides of the river. You're going to go across. And so you're going to be in all sorts of different areas. So tell us how um, that, how you adapt to traveling for a show like this. Oh, wow. Well, you know, for me, I know, you know, I've seen all of the, uh, since St. Louis Shakespeare Festival start doing kind of the parks and the sets and, you know, this year there it's it's a set land like it's uh it's, it's it is a set set uh so you know for us we've just been obviously you know it's it's like a it's like a puzzle right all the pieces you have to fit into the van and so it's a lot of trial and error and i think we've got on to something where we can finish the show uh get there unload it everyone has their responsibilities some people are in charge of the costumes setting up the props some setting up the set and then the same thing when we take it down so it's just a matter of it gets quicker and quicker uh as we do it and you know as we travel we'll find you know alternate ways that will work better so it's all uh -huh. a learning curve. Yes. So what time does the production usually start? It starts at 6.30. 6.30. And then that way everybody uh, gets in, gets out, has mm -hmm. a good time. It's a it's a very festive mood when you get there and, and see everybody. And usually uh, there's, there's some sort of food somewhere that people, mm -hmm. you know, and there's music. You, you just I don't know it's just it's just a whole fun overall experience that I think uh to do this for free it's mm. also a wonderful thing and there will be donations but the whole schedule's at st louis shakespeare what what is it stlshakes.org that's right <laughs> We got to get stlshakes.org. You can find the production schedule and you can find out which park they're going to be at. Like Lynn and I, as she just said, we're going to go to the Tower Grove Park next right. Tuesday. Mm -hmm. Which that but is it usually starts, the ones, bigger ones, Tower Grove, which is definitely one of the bigger. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And bring your own the, lawn chairs. Unless you where's, the the far, where's the farthest you're going this year? 
Um, I think the the as uh, not Brussels is uh, Herman, Missouri. Oh, to a winery. Yeah, to the winery. We're doing a performance uh, at the winery towards the end of our uh, tour. Well, that's, that's very fantastic. Cool. That's we're also, you're, you're, uh, yeah. We're also Brussels, which was part of Shakespeare in the Streets back in 2019, where you have to take the ferry over and. We're taking it over to their little community, which, uh, you know, again, the great thing about St. Louis Shakespeare Festival is they make sure that uh, everything is, is accessible and, you know, art should be accessible and bringing it to them is a great way for it to be accessible. So, yes, I did well, take the ferry yeah. last year from uh, St. Charles, I think it was. Was I in mm -hmm. St. Yeah, I took the ferry that way and I'm taking it from the Illinois side to the ferry. Oh. But that was fun. Because we got the last ferry going back. <laughs> <laughs> you got to hurry up. You got to hurry up to get that, you know. But what a lovely little park. And pe and people were really excited. I mean, it was just like, I don't want to say the whole town came out. But, I mean, it was a huge gathering for for uh, that. So, no, I like that. I know you're going to Bel my hometown of Belleville because you're going to be, because I talked right. to Tom Ridgely about what park to go to. So I'm excited yeah. you're going to be downtown because downtown's going to be the best. Ever and anon. Yes, yeah. that's going to be the best. But uh, who is in it? Because is Michelle Hand in it? Yep, it's Michelle a, Hand is in it. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead, Carl. So it's myself, uh, Mitch Eagles, Joe Moses, Michelle Hand, Christina Yancey, and Ray Davis. Well, that's a good crew. Yeah. Yeah. Fun group. It is a. We have been having a lot of fun. Specifically, a lot of us grew up in the '90s, so just kind of seeing and going down the '90s rabbit hole. Uh, I can I can't tell you how many like YouTube rabbit holes I've been down these past <laughs> with '90s sitcoms and everything. So now, now, oh, Carl, did you have any clothes back from the '90s that uh, said, "Oh, I actually have something like that in my closet that people have been telling you to throw away forever"? Oh God, no. You know what's funny is. Uh, I, oh God, I wish I would have, looking back now, if I'd known all these years later, I would be playing Falstaff in a 90s sitcom style version, I would have kept my FUBU jerseys that I had. <laughs> oh my gosh, but I don't. And I'm like, oh, why didn't I know 15, 20 years later I would be? <laughs> I should have never thrown that out. Never threw that away. Does anybody have hammer pants? Oh my gosh. I don't personally have hammer pants. The rest of the cast... Ray may have hammer pants. She might. She may have a hammer pants. <laughs> <laughs> well, we also want to let people know that there are special things at special ones, like the one on, that you're going to do downtown at the old post office plaza. That's going to have audio descriptions, and that's okay. on Saturday, August 12th. And also at Schlafly Bottle Works on the 25th, which is a Friday night, you're going to have ASL, which is fantastic. Like, Lynn, I saw... Uh, uh, little shop last night and that was their asl performance and i love it when they do that they do it like once per i guess they do it once per show that they mm -hmm. have the asl and there and i love it when the cast says says hey give it give it up for the people that have been signing yeah. this whole show because yeah. it is it's fantastic to watch mm. yeah i love those nights i love those again art should be accessible everyone should be able to come out and enjoy and St. Louis Shakespeare Festival make sure that no matter what you can enjoy the art. Well, by the time Lynn and I have seen it, you guys will have already done one, two, three, four, five, six 
performances. <laughs> so you'll be nice and warmed up for us. So thank you. Yeah, because it's it's like you need to go to stlshakes.org and find out they're they're coming by you, so you can find out. You know, so uh, I just saw speaking of the '90s, just FYI, like not that you have time to go see this, but I did see the turtle movie, so I'm giving it a thumbs up. Uh, I mean, I remember the original Ninja Turtles movie. Mm-hmm. We were actually talking about this a few days ago at rehearsal. The the iconic '90s TV. Mm-hmm. 90s live action Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is the best in my opinion. Yes. Well, this one, uh, this one is animated, but you will be surprised at how fun it is. It's written by Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg. Well, that's a good start right there. So yeah, and it's just so full of pop culture. It's it's remarkable. So we'll talk about that. But that's one of the movies we're going to talk about this week. And are you part of Barbenheimer? Because it's Barbenheimer's world and we're just living in it. I have not seen Oppenheimer, but I've seen Barbie and it is amazing. It is smart. Erwig. I love her. Like, I love Barbie. I love Barbie. I absolutely love Barbie. Lynn, Lynn went to Oppenheimer first. So therefore, it only got happier for her yes <laughs> suki's been directing a play she's she doesn't have time for have, five and a half can... hours of movie watch it's it on my list though hopefully this weekend oh. well yeah, yeah great thing about directing once you've finished directing you're like okay you guys <laughs> yeah tell that tell that to a director <laughs> i just get to go and watch and enjoy yeah, it's nice to not have like my notebook and my pen on. I just get to relax. Uh, I have notes. I, I know you've done this nine times already, but I have notes. <laughs> no. no, 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 it's after final dress. Yes, yes, right. Like that's the rule. Like, just yes. it, it's the baby. You let the baby go off to college and they succeed and they're awesome and you're proud of them and it's proud to be a part of the whole collaboration with that team. You know, we had that is an actor's director show. right there. Yeah, some some directors don't follow it, most do, but there are some. Who shall rename, remain nameless? No but... names, no names. <laughs> so, what's next after this for you two? I next week I start working pre production on the parody of Never Ending Story for Cherokee Street Theater Company, which opens in November. From the uh, 90s to the 80s. Right. Uh, for me, uh, I can't really say anything because I don't know if it's for sure, but uh, maybe stage managing something. Cool. Yeah. And then I'm also working with uh, Prison Performing Arts uh, on a showcase that we're trying to get together. So, and then auditioning as it goes. <laughs> well, yes, it's it's never ending. Well, Carl is a uh, St. Louis Theater Circle winner for Best Supporting Actor in a Comedy for it's only magic and that was with but michelle and, yes and i directed and suki it yeah. directed it and as uh, suki yes and it was a big winner during the pan uh right after the pandemic so we didn't yeah. get to hold you your uh award so we didn't get to see you guys come on stage but that would have been that would have been really cool so uh i always that think doesn't take away that- from their award lynn it does no, not. It doesn't because Carl was uh, incredible in that. He really was. Yeah. Oh my goodness! It was. was it, it's hard to describe Carl, but it was like a a 
they were doing Macbeth, but it was like with three little yeah. pigs. It was in a small community theater. It was really fun, I think, for all of us because that's the world we come from and we that world. So it was just so easy for us. It looked yes. easy. It was just so easy for us to, because we've been in all of those. Like the director keeps asking you, do it again, do it this. <laughs> we've we've he, been there. We've and been he had there. to do it so many times and he had to so do it. And it kept get increasingly getting more insane. Yeah, yeah, it was really funny. It was really, really funny. But I yes, like you, uh, I know, Carl, you have to go back to teaching yeah. the littles. So, uh, uh, and you're not wearing a cape, but we know you have superpowers. So, <laughs> stlshakes.org if you want to see Carl Overly Jr. in Merry Wives. It's not Merry Wives of Windsor because you've condensed it. So, <laughs> it's Merry Wives. And I just want to say Suki is like one of my favorite people to collaborate with. She's like, she is a director's actor. Like she knows, you know, what the actors need and she's just very nurturing and very open to collaboration. So like Suki has brought together a wonderful, wonderful time and everyone's going to have fun. And you're going to get really nostalgic. That's the thing. You're going to get really nostalgic and be like, oh, I remember that song or I remember that saying. Like, it's it's great. Well, well, Suki, thank you also. I cannot wait now. Yeah. <laughs> Just wait till you hear the 90s playlist that everybody collaborated, the casting crew, and put together for all of your uh, listening pleasure. There there are some real notable ones on there. Oh, I, <laughs> love, I love going down the 80s and 90s rabbit holes of music. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Get ready to dance. <laughs> all right thank you we so much you for joining us week. today and we'll see you next week all right thank and you so much thank you, thank you so thank much you. well lynn do you want to stick on the 90s theme and talk about teenage mutant ninja turtles mutant mayhem is that what it's called is that it's called mutant mayhem and yes let's do it my kids I, hear were... I, I was gonna i was gonna go but Things happened and you got to go and I think you enjoyed it. I think you enjoyed going. I did. I had no expectations. My children uh, were first generation fans. They were at the, the start of the craze. We did the Halloween costumes. And let me tell you, for somebody who doesn't sew, making a turtle shell was not fun. <laughs> and uh, then finally they did, you know, have other costumes but yeah so we had turtle costumes we had a turtle birthday party with the turtle cake we had turtle action figures and then it went away and then it came back and then now it's back more than ever because my great nephew loves it and uh there was all sorts of families there at the screening this was one of the screenings that you brought your family to and so it's uh i did not really read about it too much beforehand. It's in the animation style of those underground comics that were original. Because well, that's how it started. Right. Peter Laird and Kevin Eastman. And so it has that look, which I thought was, you know, touche to have that different look. But it is very modern. It's written by Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg, who did Super Bad together and they're writing partners and they've done a lot more comedies. Uh, since then but they have that teenage boy aesthetic down <laughs> and hmm. they yes. create what what is 
what is so original about this film is they really make the turtles modern teenagers. The pop culture references go rat-a-tat-tat, the modern language, the um, the way they interact with each other. They The whole story is their father, Splinter, the rep, voiced by Jackie Chan. Yeah. Is uh, he doesn't like humans because humans don't like rants. So he keeps them hidden in the sewer and they go out to get groceries and things like that. But they yearn for human interaction and they see Ferris Bueller's day off at a outdoor screening of a film in the park in Brooklyn. And they're coming up and they're like, is that the way high school really is? And they just want to be teenagers and bond with humans. And they somehow meet April O'Neill, who is in high school and voiced by Io Edaburi, who's got an Emmy nomination for The Bear. And so she's she's the April O'Neill. And the teenagers, I didn't recognize any of their voices, but you do recognize the villain is Ice Cube. He plays Superfly, who is a mutant, leading a mutant over uh, a mutant mutiny, so to speak. They want to kill all the humans and just have this mutant world. So he has this whole ragtag motley crew of mutants, including Paul Rudd as a gecko. So okay. it's it's a it's 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 an okay plot, you know. It gets a little overkill. It seems like, like the plot is more dense than it needs to be. Yeah, I would say that. But the kids were engaged, and there's one certain person from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle universe that is not in the film. But as all end credits do in these kind of movies, they're showing a scene that gets people tantalized for the next one. And this person or this creature appears and all these little boys, they were like filing out with their families and they all stopped to watch it. And they all got really super excited to see this one character back. So these little kids were engaged the the whole time. So, but it's really funny. I was surprised how funny it was. It gets a lot of, uh, I think it's probably more violent than, I maybe thought or or well it's cartoon violence though right but it's you know it's a lot of mayhem that's what it is it's mayhem but and you were telling me who the music was yeah it is by Atticus Ross and Trent Reznor who have Academy won Award Oscar. winners yes. and Grammy Award winners yeah yes and from Nine Inch Nails so yeah what is yeah we love those guys they do a lot of really creative things so yeah they did the music for this and so you liked it i did it's a and and if you had children that did that it's just a nostalgic romp it's like i don't think there is i don't think it's a coincidence carl that we're having these warm nostalgic movie experiences like super mario brothers and barbie and what's coming up that people are talking about um and we've got this one 
But, you know, with August, usually it's a kind of throwaway month for movies. And so I wasn't expecting anything. And I was pleasantly surprised. Well, I also heard, heard that Vanilla Ice's uh, Turtles rap is in the movie somewhere. That was from, I want to say, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. I don't I don't remember. I don't remember, but I did not like the reboots that Mark Wahlberg was involved in a couple of years ago. Well, I had not. That was, and and it was uh, Will Arnett was involved in that. Yeah. I thought they were fine because I'd never seen the original movies because I was a little too old for that. Unlike your boys, but I, I watched them. I I think they made two of them. And uh, the first one was of course, better than the second one. Right. Well, to go along with this promotion, Coke products, uh, Sprite has a mutant limeade mix. Um, isn't, uh, if I remember the turtle, I, isn't there a lot of product placement in this? There is. There's a lot of pl- there, product. Weren't, weren't they all? I think they were all like that. Yes. And uh, my kids were big Ghostbusters fans, and we always had the high C Ecto Cooler. And <laughs> now Ecto Cooler, like in, in an episode of The Bear, the chef, Harmon, makes homemade Ecto Cooler for a kid's birthday party. Ew. And I'm like, that's a thing. Now. So people look, uh, look fondly at Ecto Cooler, and I think that's why... They come up with these drinks and soda, you know, for product placement. But um, I did see a couple indie movies. I heard a friend of mine went to go see uh, theater camp at Frontenac. Yes, I can talk about that. And she Uh, said she loved it. But then again, she's a theater geek. It's very inside baseball. It's definitely... Our tribe. Ben Platt is a hoot. He's always wearing. She was wearing her Ben Platt t-shirt today because she went and saw him on Broadway. And I said, "Well, you're kind of biased to this." And she's like, "No, but if you uh, if you understand the theater world, you'll really appreciate it." Yeah. What I liked best of all is that they do not mock the children, because we have a lot of jazz hands kids. Mm Hmm. And uh, to me, it's a cross between, well, it's a mockumentary. So it's a cross between Waiting for Guffman and Meatballs. Well, she said it was really funny. Was it It really funny? It is funny for people that know the theater. I don't think other people will get them. But I enjoyed all the references to theater because Amy Sedaris plays this woman that runs this camp. It's a direct, it's in the Adirondack Mountains and it's called Adirondacks with A-C-T-S. Ah. And she uh, is in a coma because she um, had a medical episode after a strobe light in Bye Bye Birdie. (laughs) And her bro, her frat boy son, Travis or Troy, one of those things. Troy. He comes to run the camp and he's total outsider being a bro. 
and nobody gets him. And uh, it's really funny when he's trying to fit in with the theater camp because, you know, the theater camp kids are usually the misfits. <laughs> but right. he's the odd man out and he has weird ideas and things. But Ben Platt and Molly Gordon, they've been at this camp for 10 years. They were students there as as kids. And so they're going to announce the season to the kids because the whole point is what shows are the you kids going to be in this summer. So they make a big production and they announce that they're doing Damn Yankees, Crucible Junior, the Crucible <laughs> Junior. Now, see, that's funny. It is funny. I thought it was like so funny. And then they're doing an immersive Cats, which is also fun. And then well, isn't every, cats immersive already? I know, which I just think is because when I saw it on the West End, the cats ran up and down the audience. Yeah, I know. Okay. I know. And so and so uh, I find that. Funny. And then every year, accordingly, uh, uh, Ben Platt and Molly Gordon write a musical, original musical. And because Amy Sedaris is in the hospital, they titled this original musical Joan, comma, still. And they make a musical about her life. And there's a scene where she used to hang out at Studio 54. It's really funny. I love the Sedaris family. I know. They're so funny. So there's little bits and pieces. It's it's a short film, but it's, it's very, you know, if you're in that world, you're going to love it. And if you're not, then you're going to wonder, why is this? Why are people laughing? But <laughs> well, there are it's, some- written, it's written by Molly Gordon and... Uh, Noah Galvin and Nick Lieberman and Ben Platt and directed by Molly and Nick. So it is a uh, passion project, as the kids say. Yes. Well, Nick Lieberman is Mary Lou Henner's son. Oh, I wonder if he has a perfect memory like she does. Yeah. Hmm. Don't know. But I think they're from the improv world. I think Molly's from the improv world. Okay. Yeah. So, and then I did see the documentary on HBO, well, Max, Max, Hmm. called Glitch. Have you heard about this, Carl? I have not. What is it? Glitch, the rise and fall of HQ trivia. Oh, I know what HQ trivia is. Didn't last very long. It did not. And I used to play it all the time. So in August of 2017, it burst on the scene as an app. And I remember Charlie telling me in September, like, mom, you should get this app on your phone. Every day they play trivia. You can win money, blah, blah, blah. So two o'clock, eight o'clock. Those were the times for HQ trivia. Scott Rogowski was the host. He became uh, the, the face of HQ. They started having, they started getting millions of people tuning in. Offices would stop at two to play it was a huge thing because you could win real money you did and i did i did win real money i will say how much money did you win i can't even remember it wasn't very much it wasn't like three dollars no 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 it was like i don't know eighteen dollars or something it was just oh okay it wasn't but i still you know it wasn't life-changing that wasn't yeah no it wasn't life-changing so um we played it. Uh, we talked about it. Uh, 
everybody I knew the the allied folk Sean said every day too they'd all play it um so it became this sensation they started having guest stars the rock was on they had Elmo Muppet they would start doing theme things they had like every a certain night of the week was movie night they did like a Star Wars night they had all these trivia themes and it was really fun uh the in January 2018, they even had a Super Bowl ad. They were like rock stars. They had a million people that played every day. A million, I don't want to say, is it viewers? I don't know. A million participants. But yeah, it'd be viewers. And Players. then two months later, March of 18, two million viewers. Players. But then it all started out. The two guys that founded it were the founders of Vine. Oh, another thing that didn't last very long. No, and one was a designer and one was a engineer. And the engineer dude, Colin Kroll, died of an overdose Christmas of 18. And things just went haywire from there. They gradually, they started... Uh, just losing people just lost interest in it uh by the time it was you know it was just a couple hundred thousand and then they stopped february 2020 cold but then six weeks later they started again but then it eventually just all left so this is that whole story of a pop culture phenomenon how fast it went what were the problems and how how it crashed so in another one, one sentence, of those, what was the problem? <laughs> yeah, so another kind of story. But uh, it, it brings it all back. It brings about, about how we were all obsessed with this game. Just like it was kind of like a, a Wordle with money. Yeah. You know, but Wordles lasted way longer because I still play it every day. And, and that, but yeah, no, it was interesting. The guy that's alive that helped founded it, Russ, Yusupov, he he declined to be interviewed for this. Well, of course not. Documentary, well, because he he isn't in a very flattering light. But they even show him, you know, in Times Square on New Year's Eve. It's Super Bowl. I mean, it was huge. So you never played? No, I never did. I still have the app on my phone. It's I don't what even. What happens know when you try to open it? It says uh, not connected to the internet or something like oh. that. It says, oops, not connected to the internet. Well, you can delete that and free up the space. Yes. And so anything else have you seen? Uh, no, I didn't get to see. I didn't get to see turtles. And so I, because I was fishing in Canada last week. And so I didn't, I was trying to get back to everything. I came back, did the show with you. And then I was trying to catch up on everything that I missed, which was seeing Little Shop and uh, doing the things. What'd you think of Little Shop? I liked it. It was uh, cute. It, I'm I am glad that they didn't end the show, end the season with that. It's a fun play, but it would have been a, it would have been the same complaint that my wife had when they ended the season with West Side Story. It, it's it the ending is not very uplifting so i'm glad they didn't end with you know the earth being devoured by plants 
Yes. Well, and I Sister, it- Sister Act is probably a better show to end. Oh, yeah. Well, I called it a palate cleanser <laughs> because it's coming after, after West Side it, Story. Yeah. After just West Side Story and then before Rent. Right. Yeah. So, Rent would be an, another one to horribly end the season. Right. So I think that and Rent starts on Friday. Uh, We're going to see it so, on Saturday. Yes. I'm going to see Clue. Hey, you saw Clue. Yes. Clue is so funny. Oh, my goodness. These people are so good. It's so funny. You know, it's really silly because it is Clue. And it's this play is based on the movie. But what they've so done. So does it have the, three different endings? Well, not exactly. They take parts of everything from the movies that ends. And I don't remember all of them, but they do keep the last line of one of them, which is pretty funny. Uh, of Michael McKeon. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I like that. That's so it. all right. So now I know how it ends. <laughs> so I didn't I'd spoil it, but it's really funny, funny, funny. And the cast, the guy playing the butler Wadsworth is so good. He is like watching early Robin Williams on Mark and Mindy, you know, how wow. fast he talks and how he moves and everything. And uh, you get that vibe. It's got a really nice Monty Python vibe to the whole thing, even though it's set not in England, it's New England. But, right. you know, you recognize the people and they're all eccentric characters and the people in it have fun. Diana DeGarmo. Well, you got Colonel back. Mustard and Miss Professor Plum and, and Zoe Wanderhart's Miss Peacock. Diana DeGarmo's Miss Scarlet. Diana DeGarmo stuck around for another show? Yeah, she's really good as Miss Scarlet. Is and Ace in this one too? No. No. Okay. Oh, they broke up the husband and wife pair. Interesting. Yeah, but but she she's really good in it. She's quite a comedian. And so I'm I was just they're just a finely tuned machine this cast and people we were still laughing. We were like it's so silly. But it's so funny. It was uh, laugh out loud. Good time. Good. I'm looking forward to going. Yes, I'm I'm anxious to hear what you say. Now, I did see Caroline Archange and we had director Brian McKinley on last week. Yes, we did. Oh, my goodness. My goodness. These voices are just top top shelf off the charts raise the roof take us to church all those kind of sayings these voices are incredible i just we just sat there going oh my god they were just so powerful and beautiful and it's a great story it's it's not very uplifting carl well no but no because that's that's not really uh the story that they're trying to tell. No, but Dwayne Foster, who was in Beauty and the Beast uh, at the Muni in, a, in the ensemble, he right. plays uh, this male character in this one. His voice. And apparently, I guess he's been on Broadway. His voice is just otherworldly. And, and the woman playing the lead Caroline I got to say her name. 
because I was not familiar with her either. D. Rance Blaylock. Just unbelievable. Amazing. Yes. And then the radio, Kimmy Kid, Adrian Spun, and Ebony Easter. They're awesome. Uh, Zoe Cleborn plays Noah, the young boy, and she's terrific. And it's just, it's just this superb cast, and it, it's just spellbinding. I will have to say that. So I got to come up with new words. Because you were wowed. Yes, I was wowed. So, yeah. And and Janine Tesori wrote the music, and Tony Kushner wrote the lyrics and the book. Well, so I pretty heavy hit, pretty heavy hitters, and I, Mike Isaacson had something to do with a revival that was a couple of years ago. Yeah, 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 and so he's he's very close to it. So they had that's why they had that one day workshop with with Janine Tesori. Anyway, and then we're done now with the with the St. Louis Filmmaker Showcase. And Carl, you should have seen the celebratory feeling Sunday night with the winners. Uh, we gave out 20 narrative awards and 10 documentary experimental awards. And I was on the narrative and you were on the doc. So I haven't seen yes. the doc. But these people were delirious with joy about their work being recognized. And it's really nice to see how people respond to it and they had practically all sellouts this weekend they they blew good. the box office records to shame good it's because they have their own venue now i'm happy for them yes and their sunday program with all the african-american filmmakers everything was sold out an hour before the show Good. And the, the box, the, the sci-fi movie that has all the theater community in it uh, that was made 11 years ago, that was practically a sellout on Friday night. Good. So if you want to see who won, go to my website, poplifestl.com. Yeah, I... I was unfortunately unable to make both the awards, nor could I make the um, selection committee, but I gave my votes in and I am very proud to say that I helped some of those movies push it over to the top. And I'm happy with some of the winners. I'm very happy with a lot of the winners. So it was, it was a good process to be involved. Yeah, well, some, sometimes uh, movies that we really like don't get any mention at all just because there's nowhere to fit and we don't have any runners up and, you know, you can't give everybody a trophy. But, <laughs> you know, it still was worth seeing. Yes. Oh, yeah. There are fa and some of those movies are going to be moving on to the St. Louis International Film Festival. So if you missed them, you have a second chance. Right. So, Lynn, what's coming up besides theater? Is there are there any movies coming up, or is Barbie and Oppenheimer just going to rule the summer? The next, yeah, yeah, rule the summer. Yeah, I don't think we have much going. Uh, I know that whatever screenings we do have coming up, I'm 
likely not going to be there. Well, the next, the next, I want to say the next big superhero movie, they're not showing to us. Blue Beetle is DC's next in limbo project, but that was left over pre James Gunn. And so I think Warner brothers is kind of just going to release it. And then, which is weird because they could not release it just like they did with Batgirl. But they're releasing Blue Beetle, so I guess Blue Beetle is going to be part of James Gunn's future. Does it, just from the preview, it does not look does not look good at all. Well, but you know what? It, it doesn't look like it, most DC films are depressing and dark. This one at least looks light. But, but, but I guess you could say that Shazam was. But then the last Shazam, Max liked it, but nobody else did. I never saw it. Well, but I can. It it's okay. on Max. It was right. okay, but then I made the mistake of watching it again. And I didn't think it was very good at all. But the first, I like the family aspect of it. I like the family aspect of the story, as I do with most everything. But, but that's why people the, liked Shazam, the first one, because it wasn't as dark and dreary. I mean, even Wonder Woman, the first one, still has some dark moments to it. Shazam was pretty lighthearted and fun. That's why they had Zachary Levi blowing a bubble as Shazam because it was fun. Well, I'm going to get caught up on, I got to finish the bear and only murders in the building starts next week. So I got to, yes, it does finish season two. So you can finish season fun. two. Do you want me to tell you, want me to spoil it for you? So you don't no, know. No. And good omens is on uh, Amazon prime, which I just finished. I don't and, know how they're, I don't know how they're going to write their way out of that ending, but. It's interesting because the first season with David Tennant and Michael Sheen uh, was the book. And the second season is based on the outline that they had that where they were going to make a second book. Now, if they do a third season, I don't know how they're going to do it because they don't have a template. I mean, Neil Gaiman is still alive. But his contributor on Good Omens, well, not contributor, his uh, co-creator is not alive. So, hmm. well, well, if you watch to... the first one, it's it's really it's really fun. And the funny funny thing is, they actually make a couple Doctor Who jokes, which is very funny because you know David Tennant was one of the best Doctor Who's. But see, Terry Pratchett has not. Uh, I mean, they can't contribute with Neil Gaiman because he he passed on even though there's a lot of Terry Pratchett source material out there. So I, who knows what they'll do. And it hasn't even been renewed. They only dropped all six episodes the other day. Hmm. Well, now things are going to be because of the strike going on. Things yeah, they're are not going to be doing anything anyway. They're going to be moving and dropping things and pushing back. And we might have the Emmys in January. I mean, it's kind of yep. crazy. But uh, one of the things I wanted to mention was uh, you talked about Haunted Mansion and you and Max the other day wondered yes. why they didn't wait to Halloween. So there's an article in Variety on that. And Oh, why? Because it'll be streaming on Halloween? Yeah. It'll be in on Disney Plus by then. Yeah, well. so that's that. Well, you think they'd make more money? I guess they want more people streaming than they want going to a theater. 
isn't that didn't they just have a lawsuit with that with uh, Scarlett Johansson and Black Widow? And that's why uh, Christopher Nolan went to Universal IMAX. because mm -hmm. uh, he was not happy with how Warner Brothers released all their films on HBO at the same time they had the theatrical openings. Right. And that was that. Except for so Tenet. That's, yeah. that's why we have the whole Barbenheimer thing. And then um, uh, I also wanted to uh, acknowledge our love of Pee Wee Herman. Aww. because i'm just saying i even that... liked big top peewee it had the longest he tried to make the longest kiss in film history do you remember that part yes i do i, I love peewee's big adventure it's just such a cultural touchstone a young tim burton doing tim burtony things and it's so quotable and i know i somebody named their dog large marge <laughs> and uh That's you funny. know it's just ultimately quotable and and uh the bike in the alamo and the tequila in the song in the bike bar there's no there is no basement at the alamo ha 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 ha, ha. and then uh the the movie with james brolin well, and I watched every single episode me. of Pee Wee's Playhouse, even though I technically was an adult. I mean, I was 15 when it started, but I watched it all the way through college. I watched every episode of Pee Wee's Playhouse with Phil Hartman and Lawrence Fishburne and Cherry and Conky. And I watched all that. I watched the reboot when they did it on HBO. Sad. Yeah, it said, but um, he, I'm glad that uh, people have responded so well. There's a lot of tributes to him on face on uh, Twitter, Facebook X. Is it what is Twitter X now? It, it doesn't matter if you still, if you go to twitter.com, it still says it's, it doesn't matter. It's Elon Musk silliness. It is silliness. Well, uh, it's, it's very nice to see all the tributes and I did see him in other work, but my, um, uh, well, we watched... in blow, he was a pot dealer and showed people the best place to hide their weed. And in Batman Returns, he was the penguin's father. And he was he was in the Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie as the secondary bad. You know, and there are things about me, daddy, that you don't know. And uh, I just love how he's had fun with it. I remember him on talk shows. I remember him hosting SNL. I remember uh, the whole craze. And then when he had that legal trouble, uh, when he came on the MTV Music Video Awards and he goes, heard any jokes lately? Yep, that, that was, was, that was really well done. Genius for him to come back like that. And he bounced back. But I think people really recognize him yesterday on Twitter, Alamo draft house took a snapshot of a red bow tie and put a little tribute to him just with the red yep. bow tie and his years. And, and that's all you need, you know? So uh, I hope that uh, I hope that his creative spirit lives on and the peewee's big advent, the peewee's Christmas special is one of our family favorites, and we it's own the one. DVD. Have you ever seen the Christmas special? Yeah, I have it. I watched it when it came out. Actually, 
I watched it when it came out and I actually have a copy that I showed my child because it deserves to be seen. It deserves to be seen. And Frankie and Annette making <laughs> yeah. share. Yeah. There's Grace Jones. There's all these people in it. So, well, Carl, keep cool. And Lynn, uh, where can we find you? I'm on the uh, Pop Life STL website. I'm at WebsterKirkwoodTimes.com. And the print paper, I'm on with Jennifer and Wendy on KTRS every Friday, 1108. Where can we find you, Carl? I am on Twitter, X, uh, Instagram, threads, at underscore Carl the Intern. You can hear me on Monday through Friday on the Mark Cox Morning Show. And then on the weekends, Second Amendment Radio and The Great Outdoors. And I'm going to Lollapalooza, so I will talk to you next week, Lynn. All right. Enjoy. Thank you. Bye. Bye.